Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. All right, good morning, church. Um, it's really great to be with you this morning. Uh, it's really great to be able to have this opportunity of sharing God's word with you. It really is a great privilege uh, just a little bit more about myself. Uh, my name is Jason, and uh, I was born and raised in Santon, and then God moved me to Pretoria uh, beginning of this year uh, to come and see what, what is happening in Pretoria. And I will say, I will say, Pretoria is popping, okay? There's a reason us Joburg guys have to come to Pretoria to do things, is because things are happening here. And it's been such a great encouragement to be at Red Door, to be a part of this community, to see how... Um, how God is using people to move in his cities. It really is encouraging. Um, some exciting news on my radar is I'm getting, I think, I think if my counting is correct, I'm getting married in one month and 30 days. Um, so exciting times, exciting times. Um, and another thing you need to know about me is I like to crack uh, cringy jokes. And what's difficult is that now because you guys are muted, I can't hear if you're laughing or not. So I'm just going to feel uncomfortable when I crack a joke. But I'm going to assume that you guys are laughing because I'm either funny or I'm funny looking. So that's fine. Um, But it really is great to be with you this morning. And this morning, I'm going to be looking at Psalm uh, 32. And the title of the message this morning is hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. And and I'm going to start off with a bit of a story of something that happened to me a couple of months ago is... um, I've been struggling since I was about 14 or 15 with uh, stomach cramps, quite uh, uncomfortable ones, uh, to the point where sometimes I feel like it's, it's actually, it's effort to breathe. And um, the only time I feel a bit of comfort is when I like crunch over, you know, like little kids when they walk like this with their, their hand on their stomach because it's so sore. And I felt like that. And um, for a couple of years, actually, um, Megan was suggesting that I go because I did I did go to the doctor before anyone thinks that I didn't. You know, I was being a stubborn male and all those things. Uh, I did. I did go to the doctor and they couldn't help me. They did all sorts of scans and they couldn't help me. They didn't know what was wrong. Um, So Megan encouraged me for uh, a couple of a couple of years um, to to go and see a, a homeopath. Um, which I, I wasn't too keen on. I mean, as it is, the name homeopath sounds a little bit um, hipster. Um, so so I, re- I really wasn't keen, um, but but Megs assured me that, that this lady will be able to help me. So a couple of months ago, the stomach cramps got really bad, and I thought, you know what, let me, let me go and see if this lady can help me. And I went, and she did a couple of tests, and she found lots of stuff wrong. But um, one of the solutions was that, obviously, I needed to take the medication, but with that is I needed to eat better. I needed to cut sugar. I needed to uh, cut carbs and uh, starches and fast foods and, and I mean really all the all the nice food really. I had to cut all those things, and uh, I found it incredibly difficult. As as I knew I knew the stuff was bad for me, but I couldn't and I refused to stop. And I did that thing that we all do when we diet, you know, like Jay. You've been really good this week. You had a really good week. You can treat yourself. Except I was treating myself for the week every day. Um, And so I eventually found myself kind of going back into my bad habits. And um, yeah, I started experiencing stomach cramps um, again. But 
I wanted to ask us all sitting here this morning, you know, what, what is one thing that you can't give up? What's one thing you can't do without, but you know it's bad for you? Maybe for you it is also food. Maybe it's a certain type of food. Maybe it's a certain type of restaurant like McDonald's, if you want to call that a restaurant. Fast food chain. What is one thing that you can't give up, even though you know that it's bad for you? What is the one thing that when you have it, every time you have it, you just think, man... I wish I didn't have to wrestle with whether I can have this or not. I really wish I didn't have to wrestle with whether I, I should be doing this or not. You see, we know the, the consequences of having these things or, or doing some of these things, and yet we still pursue them, we still consume them, and we refuse to live without some of these things, even though we know that they're not good for us. Well, church, I want to say that we have the same unhealthy relationship with these things that we do with sin. I want to say that sin... We have the same attachment to sin that we do to some of these things. We know that it's bad for us. We know that it, it hurts us and it hurts those around us. And yet we still pursue it. We still choose it. And we still want it. Our flesh wants it. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 32. A psalm in which David is reflecting on what a blessing it is to be forgiven. And how blessed the people who know God are because they have found and received forgiveness in God. But before I take us any further, I'm going to open for us in prayer and we'll jump into the passage. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that it is um, your revelation to us on earth. We thank you that we have this amazing book. And Father, we pray that as we come to you this morning, that you would really grow us and stretch us, Father, and challenge us, Lord. Um, you know where each of us are and you know where our hearts are, Father. And I just pray that you would help us and guide us. And Lord, I just pray for those of us who are struggling to understand forgiveness and grace this morning, Lord, that you would open our hearts and soften our hearts to this message, that we would receive it, and Lord, that we would walk faithfully with you. In Jesus' name we pray this. And everybody said, Amen. I don't know if you said it, but if you did, you're awesome. All right. Um, so this morning, we're going to be looking at the psalm. And as we do, we're going to be looking at three different aspects within the psalm. And the first one is the blessing. So the psalmist, David, he opens up the psalm with sort of looking at, you know, a blessing. So have a look at verse 1 to 2 with me. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So he kind of sets the tone for the psalm. He sets the theme and he lays it down as that those who are forgiven are truly blessed or are truly happy. And now he hasn't gotten to the part where he explains why they're happy or why they're blessed. But he starts off this psalm simply stating this one truth. And that is that those who are forgiven are blessed or are happy. In our culture today, when we think about blessing or we hear someone talking about blessing, what are the things that we hear and see? I mean, I guarantee if you go on Instagram now or any social media platform and you click on the hashtag blessed, I think we'd see a lot of materialistic things. Nice cars, really, really nice cars, big houses, uh, Gucci, Gucci things. <laughs> um, but often we'll see materialistic things. And when people say that they're, they're blessed or they're going through a season of blessing, they're often referring to something that's more materialistic. Or it's possibly got to do with their current season or phase in life. And I'm not saying that these things are bad. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy these things. 
And these things are good, but there really is an emptiness in those things because they can be taken away from us so quickly. They can go away so quickly. They can change so quickly. Think about the, the Manchester United fans who think they're blessed when their team's actually doing well. And look how quickly that was taken away from us. Think about the car that, that someone thinks when they get it is, I am blessed and they have an accident. Perhaps it's a promotion at work. And then all of a sudden something changes in the economy or in that business and it's taken away. Those things can be good and they can be enjoyed. But they're so fickle. But we see here that according to King David, that it's not where the blessing truly lies. Material things and, and success in life is not really where true blessing lies. The true blessing is that our sins have been forgiven. Now, I was very tempted to kind of jump in by myself here and explain to everyone why I think it's, it's, it's so great to know that our sins are forgiven and the weight that's been taken off our shoulders. But King David actually goes there himself. So David is building his, his thought pattern and his argument within the psalm in saying that we are blessed when we are forgiven because, and that brings us to the second thing that we're going to notice in the psalm, and that is the curse and how the curse affects us. Read with me in verses 3 to 5. It says the following. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So as David builds his thinking in the song that he's writing, he begins to add information to his theme. The word for at the beginning of the section, at the beginning of verse 3, shows us that he's going to add information to what he's just told us. So he has said that I am blessed because I'm forgiven. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. See, when I didn't confess my sin and turn to you, God, I wasted away. That is David's reflection. And it's interesting in verse 4, we see that it's not because of the sin itself that David wasted away, but rather because of him keeping silent. God is pressing him to the point that he has to confess. He could no longer stay silent. God is pressing him to confess. Have a look at verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You see, God presses us until we confess because it's what's best for us. He does this because he knows that there is freedom in us confessing our sin. See, a lot of us at this point might be feeling, you know, God is, God is harsh. God isn't loving because he, he makes us feel guilty for when we do things wrong. But in actual fact, God is pressing us to turn back to him because he knows that that is actually what's best for us. Us staying in our sin and wallowing in our guilt is not good for us. But God presses us. And that's what David is showing us, that God pressed him to confess. And you can almost breathe a sigh of relief for David in reading this. You feel his pain and his agony in verse 3 to 4. And then in verse 5, you feel the weight lifted off his shoulders. I want to bring us back to the opening illustration. And I want to say, when I have days, and it really is days because I'm not at the point of doing this for in, within a whole week yet. But when I have a day where I actually eat right. And I don't consume the things that I shouldn't. I feel so relieved. I feel so good. 
because I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about that day. But when I have a day where I really don't eat well, when I eat the things I know that I really shouldn't, the guilt weighs on me. And it makes me want to do better and it makes me want to change. Or sometimes it's bad enough that it makes me want to do it some more. <laughs> you see, we treat, the same, we, we treat sin the same. We know that it's bad. And yet we continue to chase it and pursue it. We continue to want it. And that guilt weighs us down when we do do it. But there is freedom in the forgiveness that we find. You see, the longer we carry this thing that we think is good for us, that we think is precious, this thing that gives us temporary satisfaction, that has actually cursed us, the longer we live enslaved to it. The longer we pursue this thing that we think is so great in the moment, the longer we live enslaved to it. But David in this psalm is showing us that there is freedom in forgiveness. And as a result of his reflections and as a result of him looking at his own life, there's a call to action. And that's the third thing that we're going to see in the passage today is that there is a call. Have a look at verse 6 to 9 with me. It reads as follows. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with brit and brittle, or it will not stay near you. The, the therefore in the beginning of verse 6 shows us that there will now be an instruction. So based on what David has just been saying or writing about, there is now going to be a follow-on instruction. We're seeing David's thought pattern run as he says that I found forgiveness and, and those who have found forgiveness are blessed or they're happy because they have been freed from the guilt of sin. And this weight and pressure is gone. Therefore, and this is the call, let everyone who is godly pray. And church, it's not, it's not just any prayer. It's not for what we're about to receive. May the Lord make us truly thankful. Or God, may I have a good day today. Those prayers are fine. But what David is talking about here is a prayer of confession. He's calling people to come and confess their sin because they see the free, he sees the freedom that there is in confessing our sin. See, David has wrestled this in his own heart. And now he is calling for his fellow believers to do the same. He's calling for them to confess their sin. Notice how David's language in the psalm changes from, I wasted away and my strength dried up, to verse 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You see, the forgiveness that David finds in God is a game changer. And all I'm seeing in this is that there is freedom in this forgiveness. Why carry this burden when you no longer need to? He even says in verse 9, Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and brittle, or it will not stay near you. In other words, don't be hard to turn. Don't wait to turn. 
You shouldn't need to be trained to turn because this forgiveness is so good and so freeing that you shouldn't need to be forced to turn. We're encouraged to turn because it is good for us. And church today, we have it so much easier because we know the bigger picture. We can read about Christ's death and resurrection His death for the forgiveness of our sins. We have the benefit of knowing what Jesus did on the cross so that we can have this forgiveness that David is talking about. We're currently in a series called Psalms for Pretoria. And you may be listening to this and thinking, well, well, where does Pretoria actually fit into this? How does Pretoria fit into the picture of Psalm 32? Look at David's psalm. I want to ask us, what can we learn from David's psalm this morning as Red Door Church? You see, guys, we sometimes get so caught up in trying to tell everyone about our faith and about what we believe in. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we want to share our faith. But church, we need to be reminding ourselves of this truth regularly as well. We need, to be pre- we need to be preaching this to our own hearts regularly, that there is freedom in forgiveness, that our sins are forgiven. We are forgiven. Many of us want to see our country and our cities changed. But if we look at this psalm, the psalm of David, it actually starts with, with us internally. David doesn't start the psalm by calling everyone to confess their sins. He starts with himself. He starts off by reminding himself of why it is good to repent, why it is good to confess your sins, why it is good that this guilt is taken off your shoulders. He first starts off with that and then he turns and calls the others to confess. It starts with us. It starts in our own hearts. As Michael Jackson says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. (laughs) Some of us are sitting here this morning holding on to sin. And that sin tastes good in the moment. But it's not good for us. We know it's not good. But we still hold tight onto that sin. God is calling us to turn away from that and to turn to Him and seek forgiveness. He's better than our sin. And the forgiveness that He offers is better than whatever sin can offer us in the temporary moments. You may be sitting here this morning and you're still not sure about this whole Christianity thing. You've got a lot of questions about the Bible and a lot of questions about how God works and how this whole Christianity thing works. I want to tell you that that, that's okay. There are a lot of Christians, mature Christians, people who have been Christians for many years who are still struggling with a lot of those questions. But don't let those questions stop you from coming and receiving this freedom. Because it really is freeing when we know that we are forgiven. We know we're not perfect. We know we're going to sin. But we also know that we are forgiven. A lot of us may be looking at our country for the last couple of weeks. Specifically with regards to the looting and with the COVID-19 restrictions. We may feel that the solution for all of our problems as a country and as a nation is better governance, a better economy education and all those things are good i'm not saying they're not good they're really good things but if we look at the life 
and the ministry of Jesus. He didn't go in and solve the political issues. Jesus didn't go in and get involved in the political struggles going on, but he dealt with sinners. He sat with the tax collectors and prostitutes. He dealt with sinners. That's who he spent his time with. And when he died, he died for the sins of the world. He didn't die to better the political situation for the Jews. He died for the sins of the world. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus heals a man who was paralyzed. And the first thing he says is, my son, your sins are forgiven. Imagine that guy. You're sitting there and you see Jesus. You're like, man, I'm going to get my legs back. And when I do, I'm going to be able to walk. I'm going to be able to run. I'm going to be free. And Jesus' first words to him are, my, my son, your sins are forgiven. Because true freedom is in the forgiveness of sins. That's where true, true freedom begins. We look at Jesus' ministry and we see how he handled sin. And that is such an indication to us of how seriously we need to take it and how freeing it is when we confess our sin and when God deals with our sin. Church, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to confess our sins. I want to encourage us to seek the freedom that is found in forgiveness. The same freedom and relief that David finds in Psalm 32. I want to encourage us as individuals to really focus on that. To preach it to ourselves every day that, that there is freedom and forgiveness and I am forgiven. Far too often our guilt keeps us from turning back to God. Far too often we feel, man, I'm not good enough to turn back to God. Far too often we feel that God wants nothing more to do with us. Because our guilt reminds us of how unworthy we are. And we're not worthy but Jesus died so that we can have this forgiveness because it is good. So we can turn back to our Father because there is true freedom in that. I want to wrap up the message this morning by reading the last two verses of the psalm because there really isn't a better way to say it. Verse 10, 11, it says, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. There is freedom in forgiveness. I want to encourage us as a church to seek God and to confess our sins. Let's pray. Father, we, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for grace. We want to thank you for forgiveness that we know we don't deserve, but you showed us mercy. Father, I want to pray for those of us on the call this morning and those who are listening on the podcast who are struggling with understanding grace and coming to terms with grace and forgiveness. Some of us on the call this morning may be feeling, you know, I'm not worthy of this forgiveness. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Father, I pray that you would press on our hearts the truth that you have paid the price that we may be forgiven that we no longer have to carry the burden and the weight of our sin because we have been forgiven and lord that we would turn to you we thank you for your son jesus who came to deal with sin and the consequence of sin 
so that we could come back into a right relationship with you, that we could know you personally and speak to you as our Father. Father, we pray that for Red Door Church in Pretoria, Lord, that you would help us to take this truth, this good news into our city, that in the way we live, in the way that we love, Father, that many would know, many would know this truth, that there is freedom and forgiveness and that there is freedom in you because you offer us that forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.